0: Here we are on a Wednesday. Welcome in, everybody. Mike Steele, Parker Thune, Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network, hour number one, presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need uh, work done on the AC right now because it's probably working overtime already. We'll give Tim Lasher and his great company a call, 405-579-3113. That's 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. We got a lot of things going on today. TJ Eckert, uh, KTUL TV in Tulsa, will join us at one thirty-five. Coming up later today, Parker Thune. What is happening with the Sooners in that receiver situation? JJ Hester, LV Bunkley, Shelton. When is it going to happen? Who's
1: it going to be? Yeah. So LV Bunkley Shelton yesterday, I believe, was on a visit to Kansas. So what? He is still evaluating his options, albeit significantly inferior options, purportedly. But uh, I, as I've said all throughout this week, Mike, I am leaning more in the direction of J.J. Hester being the guy that the Sooners add. That visit went swimmingly from everybody I talked to. And if it is one of the two, I would expect it will be Hester. And at that point, I think Oklahoma is done in the portal, um, as I mentioned earlier in the week. To me, it's one or the other based on what I know about where Oklahoma's at with the numbers. So if they take Hester, if Hester commits, then they're not getting, or rather, they're not bringing in LV Bunkley Shelton. So you got Davis Bevel. Obviously, uh, you're in really good position for J.J. Hester, and if you lock down Hester, then I think you head into the summer confident about where your roster stands, knowing you got uh, more reserves coming, you got the next wave of incoming freshmen stepping on campus for the first time June 5th. So there is more ammunition in the chamber. All
0: right, tell me about uh, Donovan Johnson and is it uh, Josiah Wagner,
1: the uh, the DB? Yeah, so Josiah Wagner, uh, four-star prospect out of the state of Washington. So if you're thinking about where Oklahoma has – or rather where Brent Venable's staff – have really built their inroads on the recruiting trail over the course of their first few months at Oklahoma. Washington is off the beaten path. For the most part, it's been Oklahoma, Texas, and, of course, Kansas City, and then Florida, Georgia, Alabama, down in the southeast. So Josiah Wagner was on campus at Oklahoma with several of his teammates this past week. I want to say it was last Thursday that they all visited campus. Wagner's a high four-star national top 200 player in the class of 2023. The Sooners made a big impression, so does he get back on campus? I would be inclined to believe that an official may be in the works, still kind of digging on that situation, but cornerback is a position right now where the Sooners need some answers. Feels like we've said that about a whole bunch of different position groups over the last couple months because first it was the tight end room that you were a little bit concerned about. You know, who, who's Oklahoma going to get at tight end? They don't really seem to be trending for any of those guys. Now there seems to be a little bit more stability there, but then it was running back after Trey Wisner committed to Texas out of the blue. And all of a sudden, Dylan Edwards was really the only guy that Oklahoma was in good standing with on their running back board. Now you look at cornerback. The Sooners have faded in the recruitment of Javian Toviano. Cormani McClain is kind of a pipe dream, although he does have teammates that are trying to talk him into coming up to OU for a visit. So you've started to see the Sooners make a series of new offers at the cornerback position over the last couple of weeks, which gives you the indication that they need to figure it out and figure it out in a hurry. They are obviously in the driver's seat and have been for a really long time in the recruitment of Jacoby Johnson, whom I believe will be a cornerback at the next level, provided he commits to Oklahoma. Beyond that, who's next on the board? Who's most likely to be in Oklahoma's corner beyond Jacoby Johnson as this recruiting process unwinds? Josiah Wagner is a guy that, at least from first impressions, Oklahoma's in pretty good standing with at the moment. I do think they'll offer Jalen Braxton a four-star out of Frisco Lone Star High School, alma mater of Marvin Mims here in the coming weeks. I know Jay Velai is scheduled to go watch one of his practices next week. And that is a guy that Oklahoma probably immediately becomes the front runner for if they do offer him. So a lot of questions right now at the cornerback position, some plausible answers, but What you'd really like to see over the course of the next month or so is Oklahoma solidify their status as a true contender for several of these cornerback prospects.
0: All right. For the Sooners, again, uh, for 2023, you have Jackson Arnold, highly touted quarterback out of Denton Geyer. You've got Ashton Kozak from uh, Louisville Flower Mound, Uh, Marcus. Uh, Josh Bates, the kid from Colorado, the big offensive lineman. Uh, Eric McCarty, the athlete from McAllister, committed a long time ago. And just the other day, Caleb Spencer, the safety out of the state of Virginia, who they uh, think can play that cheetah position and uh, is a pretty fierce hitter. So. Uh, and you would expect that he's going to upgrade that three-star coming up this season, and probably, I don't know, it would be difficult to get to a five-star, but a four-star should be happening, you would think, for Caleb Spencer, right?
1: Yes, five-star. Like Here's the thing. When you look at Oklahoma's targets right now in this class, there's only one guy with the potential to become a five-star, and that's Jackson Arnold. He probably will become a five-star. But beyond that, well, I guess you throw in David Hicks. Obviously, I completely neglected him in the conversation. But... Beyond Arnold and David Hicks, who is a very legitimate target for Oklahoma, maybe maybe they factor in for Anthony Hill when it's all said and done, but as of right now, I would figure Arnold will be a five-star, and if you end up with Hicks, and he's your first defensive five-star commit since Caleb Kelly in 2016, that's a pretty good haul for Brent Venable's first true recruiting class at Oklahoma.
0: Interesting, last night, uh, Brent at the OU Coaches Caravan, which pulled into Amarillo last night, not by morning, but by evening, uh, said some interesting stuff. Quote, we're starting over, we're stripping this bad boy down to the studs. Uh, I saw too much casualness, if you will, <laughs> and he didn't like that. So it's uh, it's Interesting. That he had, uh, he also said, We don't need a program in disarray. Y'all love this university. Y'all care for it. We've got a bunch of assistants who care for it. Uh, You had a former coach who cares a lot for it, Bob Stoops. We don't need a program in disarray. Again, uh, you got a chance right now to make a statement in college football. Previous coach left, decides he didn't want to be here. Okay, good. Now, what do you want to do? So, I like that, again, the attention to detail. And, look, all coaches are going to preach that. I mean, that's that's not something new, not breaking new ground there. But do they actually practice what they preach? And I think, based on what we've heard from the OU staff, the answer to that is an emphatic yes. So, I don't know. You think Muleshoe had a little bit of a casual environment?
1: Of course, he was checked out most of last year, right? It was a very casual environment, I can tell you that much. By the way, Mike, it hit me as I was driving into the station – today does it still kind of seem surreal to you that Brent Venables is Oklahoma's head football coach uh maybe a little bit or that there's been as much change throughout the football program as there has been over the last six months because to me I don't know there are certain moments where I just find myself kind of bewildered like wow this all actually happened Yeah, it's
0: really strange. Again, you just don't see a coach leave a program like Oklahoma unless he's either retiring like Bob Stoops did, gets fired, or goes, like, to the NFL. That's basically it. So um, I I think it's more of anticipation. I'd like to kick off the season, you know, the UTEP game to be this weekend because, you know, you want to see what the product looks like. And we got a pretty good sample again with the spring game. But I think Sooner fans are excited you know, they're they're ready to forget the previous regime, or at least the head man, and uh, see what happens. And again, they've been frustrated because they've been on the doorstep, knocking on the door. One year, you know, against uh, Georgia, they nearly kicked in the door. Maybe they win the national championship if they win that semifinal game. But Sooner fans, again, they have an insatiable appetite for a national title right now. If you're a program like Oklahoma, you know, waiting 23 years is too long. Now look, I realize you know one a decade is is not bad, right? But waiting twenty three years, that has the OU fans ready to to break through, and they're hoping this uh, coaching staff, you know, can produce that.
1: They're you, ready. You think the drought would be easier to swallow if Oklahoma were in a position akin to that of Nebraska, where they just haven't been competitive in a decade? Because I think what makes it more agonizing, if you're an Oklahoma fan, is the fact that the Sooners have been so close so many times since 2000. Time and time again, they have been on the doorstep, whether that was 2003 or 2004 or 2008 or 2017 and 18. Could have won the LSU
0: game against Nick Saban. You know, Jason White was a little bit banged up. Maybe they were on the football a little bit more. There's a pass to Keywine Jones that may have been a touchdown in, uh, in most other situations, but wasn't that night. Then you have uh, the 2008 game. You play without DeMarco Murray. Percy Harvin has a great night for Florida, but you've got a great chance to win that game. Can't cash out, cash in in the end zone or in the red zone enough. But they were right there on the cusp of winning that game. That could have been two national championships right there, obviously. And then the SC debacle, of course, was a complete disaster.
1: Well, and you, ha- you wonder even beyond that, does Oklahoma play for a national title in 2006 if not for the botched onside kick call in Eugene?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Gordon Reese classic wasn't a classic for Oklahoma fans. Classic nightmare, maybe, but that's about it. So, anyway, I, I love what Brent had to say last night, again, uh, at the Sooner Caravan. And I think Sooner fans, you know, they, they like hearing this stuff because I think they believe just a little more physicality, uh, a little more attention to detail, more focus, more toughness. That is what this program has been lacking. And a lot of that translates on the defensive side of the ball, obviously. And that's Brent's specialty. And they like this coaching staff a lot. So uh, this coming season, man, is going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for it to get here. All right. Welcome in here on a Wednesday. I'm Mike Steely. He's Parker Thune. You're you. Thank you for being you. And thank you for being here. Air Comfort Solutions text line has your name on it right now. 405 651 34-39. Yes, you do have to roll with the changes. There's no doubt about it. We'll talk college football win totals when we get back here on The Ref. Welcome back. Thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour here on The Ref. Mike Steely Parker Thune with you. Home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network here on a Wednesday. All right, so collegefootballnears.com. You have to say nears like that. News. Nears. That's how the old school news people did it back in the day, I think. All right. Win totals are out. There are a lot of sites who have win totals. This was an interesting one that I saw. And on this particular site, they had among the the big conferences uh, five schools that they have winning double-digit games. Can you guess the five schools? Okay. By well, schools gotta, winning double-digit games, obviously ten or more.
1: You got to start with the big three: Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Beyond that, I'm going to say Clemson is a fourth. That's number four. Okay. And number five, uh, I I bet this one's going to be Notre Dame. I bet Notre Dame is five. USC. No way. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Oklahoma. Oh wow.
0: Okay. So they've got Bama Bama at 11, Ohio State at 11, Georgia 10.5, Clemson 10.5, Oklahoma at 10. Rest of the Big 12, Sooners at 10. Oklahoma State is second at 9.5, then Texas, 8.5, Baylor and Iowa State at 7. Is that a little low for Baylor, you think?
1: That is low for Baylor. Now, I think a lot depends on the quarterback situation, but clearly Dave Aranda has enough confidence in Blake Shapin that he is willing to run Gary Bohannon off the ranch. So. He must know something that the rest of the world doesn't about Blake Shapin. And granted, Blake Shapin did win the Big 12 championship yes, he, game he against played, Oklahoma played State. Well. So I, I I have my concerns with Baylor. I think their ceiling is as high as any team in the Big 12, but I also think they have a very low floor. So there could be a lot of variance in 2022 and what their win total could be, depending on how things break. You think back to 2019 as a perfect example. That team, Mike. Yes, they won 12 games at season's end, or 11. Uh, excuse me, they won 11 games that year. They might have won. They might have just as easily won five or six because of how many close games. Yeah, how many close victories they had leading up to that night in Waco when Oklahoma just broke them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Baylor at 7, Iowa State at 7, K-State 6.5, TCU at 6.5, Tech at 6, West Virginia at 6, and Kansas at 3. Hopefully one of those would be the Longhorns again, maybe. Uh, Speaking again, Texas was at 8.5, Oklahoma playing in Lincoln against Nebraska. They've got the Huskers at 7, Tulsa was at 5, other uh, schools of interest, A&M was at 9.5, USC was at 9, Notre Dame was at 9, Michigan at 9, UCLA at 9. Uh, UCF was at nine, Wisconsin at nine. Um, USC really needs to lose to Notre Dame and UCLA, and they need to lose to Stanford in week two. They need to lose at Utah, which I think they probably will. Because if you can lose the Stanford game and lose the Utah game, and the UCLA and Notre Dame game, then you've got eight. They don't have to play Oregon unless they get the Pac-12 championship. But other games, like they have to go to Oregon State, they have to go to Arizona. Uh, at home, they've got Rice, Fresno, Arizona State, Washington State, Cal, Colorado, and Notre Dame at the end of the season. They have to go to Stanford, to Oregon State, to Utah, to Arizona, and at UCLA. What did
1: so. you say the over-under is on Kansas State? K-State at six and a half. I would be tempted to lay my life savings on the over for K-State at six and a half. With Adrian Martinez at quarterback? Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. That team's going to put up points. And Chris Kleiman is an excellent coach. He does a good job. K-State is one of those teams. it's, it's It's kind of the inverse of the Texas effect. Kansas State is one of those teams that every single year outperforms expectations because the expectations are invariably set too low for that program.
0: Yeah. Well, in the one year when, uh, not last year, but the previous year, where they faded down the stretch, that's because Skylar Thompson got hurt, basically, right? Yes, and they um, were rolling with Bill Howard. For the for the most part, uh, you know, when Bill Snyder was there, they clearly were getting the most out of every single roster. Didn't, didn't work with Ron Prince when Bill Snyder came back. Again, greatest coaching job in college football history performed by Bill Snyder. And uh, Chris Kleiman has been a really good hire for them, no doubt about it. So the Sooners again at 10, and one of five schools that collegefootballnews.com projects to have double-digit wins in the regular season. Bama 11, Buckeyes 11, Georgia 10 and a half, Clemson 10 and, a half, and Oklahoma at 10. Uh, we talked Sooner recruiting in the first segment. Are we looking at down the road at uh, – You know, this year it's going to be uh, Quinn Ewers versus Dylan Gabriel. You know, will Dylan Gabriel have a good enough year? Maybe he thinks about the NFL. Eh, Who knows? We'll see. But down the road, who is going to be going at it in the Cotton Bowl? Is it going to be Arch Manning versus Jackson Arnold or Nick Evers? Because Arch Manning, again, most people are saying that Texas is in the lead with Georgia and Alabama in contention. I guess he did say now that he wants to visit – Florida and LSU, though, That's correct.
1: I don't know. This feels to me like the type of recruitment. Okay, first off, I'll say this. It felt for a long time to me like the type of recruitment where Alabama would end up with the kid when all was said and done. I think what Alabama has done is brilliant, which is they haven't bought the hype. They haven't bitten on Arch Manning. They've gone after the actual best quarterback in the state of Louisiana in that class, which is Eli Holstein, and they've kind of put a red eye on him. To me, Arch Manning's the third-best quarterback in his own state. Really? Eli Holstein and Ricky Collins are better than Arch Manning. So to me, this probably becomes a Texas-Georgia race in the end. So you're
0: saying that if he were Arch Smith rather than Arch Manning, he wouldn't be the number one yes, that is in correct. that class.
1: Yes, that is correct. This, to me, becomes a Georgia-Texas battle down the stretch if it isn't already. To me, and I think to a lot of other people, that's kind of where the signs point right now is either UGA or Texas. I'd be inclined to believe he picks Texas in the end. Now, I think that's contingent upon how the 2022 season unfolds and whether Steve Sarkeesian has some job security after the year's over. I think, I'll put it this way, if Texas wins eight or nine games in 2022, I think Arch Manning is a longhorn. If Texas stumbles and trips over its own feet the way it did last year, I think Arch Manning ends up picking Georgia.
0: Speaking of Texas this uh, next season, it's going to be interesting, overrated or underrated, the hire of Gary Patterson
1: as a consultant there. Uh, neither. I, I don't think it's all that consequential. Really? Yeah. I think, I think Gary Patterson is over the hill as a coach. There was a time when Gary Patterson was one of the best and brightest minds in college football. However, there comes a point in time for everybody where it just probably behooves you to ride off into the sunset, right? It's like the quote from Moneyball. We're all told at some point in time that we can no longer play the children's game. Some of us are told at 18. Some of us are told at 40, but we're all told. That same principle is applicable to coaches.
0: That's not true. I'm playing Fortnite at 58 and a half. Well, see, you're you're the exception. Nobody
1: has told you. You can't play the children's game anymore yet, Steely. you <laughs> well, beat
0: the the, the the real thing there is I, of course, am not an adult. I haven't entered that phase yet. I don't know that I ever will. But I don't know if, if that's going to make any difference or not. So you are saying that Gary Patterson would be better suited to go on his acoustic guitar tour right now. Yes. Gary Patterson unplugged.
2: I, I, I,
1: I've heard a lot of things over the last few months about... The end of Gary Patterson's tenure at TCU and the genesis of his tenure on Steve Sarkeesian's staff, and it all just kind of leads me to believe that Gary Patterson needs to retire.
0: What his did you time hear? has Do come. Do tell,
1: what was he doing? Uh, I, I I don't want to get too. He deep was in playing the leads. his
0: guitar in the office. Was he taking personal days? Was he talking to Trace Armstrong the whole year like Neil Shoe?
1: What was he doing? He's just become somewhat senile. You realize, (laughs) this is the infamous Gary Patterson story. At practices at TCU, he would play the same playlist of 20 songs every single day. Country. And on that playlist were two of his songs. Oh my gosh.
0: That's, I'd rather hear Parker Thune playing the mandolin, you know, that playlist. Maybe I'll record a cover of Take a Step Back. You should. Yeah. On the mandolin. That's a Gary Patterson tune, man. That is a Gary Patterson tune. All right. So, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, Quinn Ewers, so much hype. Steve Sarkeesian, know. It couldn't have gone worse than it did last year. When you go under five hundred at Texas, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. And then you lose to Kansas on your home field. Then you have Gia the Monkey, the Pole Assassin, all that stuff. You've got boosters in the field. You know, telling Steve Sarkeesian, hey, I think we're going to keep you, that kind of stuff. It's so Texas, though. It is so very Texas. And uh, you heard it right here, folks. Parker Thune said that Arch Manning is the third best quarterback, not just in the class, in the state of Louisiana. And he also said if he was Arch Smith, he would not be the number one recruit in the country. Well, I mean, I've said that before. So but. it it said that sounds to me like uh, you know, Texas always gets these overhyped Chris Sims was supposed to be Unbelievable, right, back in the day. Well,
1: and who's, who's he turn- next
0: on track? He turned into Chrissy Sims. The mighty Quinn is next, right? And then we'll see what happens if Texas wins that recruiting battle to get Arch Manning. All right, we're going to break right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on a Wednesday. Good to have you along. Home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. All of your texts coming up next right here on the Ref. All right, we were also talking about, uh, you know, Oklahoma recruiting and where the Sooners have been going. We talked about the kid uh, from Washington, Zia Wagner, the uh, defensive back. I mentioned the name Donovan Johnson running back out of Georgia for the 2025 class. Hmm, interesting. Georgia. That one
1: is interesting to me. And it's particularly interesting because I was under the impression that Oklahoma wasn't going to be offering any 2025 prospects until next spring. Pretty soon they're going to be
0: offering deals uh, when they're in the incubator, I think, uh, pretty much. Uh, it, it's, it seems that way. Uh, what was it? I remember when Indiana offered Damon Bailey in the eighth grade, and everybody was like, really? Seriously? But, uh, yeah. It, that was interesting to see yesterday so i don't know you know very interesting though again a kid from the state of georgia you ready to get
1: to the air comfort solutions tax line let's go right ahead by the way uh caleb williams i guess said stuff yes i have the clips i
0: get you know i You know, Plank played them earlier, so I want to do that probably at the top of the hour again to give uh, those who heard them already a little bit of separation. But if you haven't heard the Caleb Williams clips, we will play those. He was on the Momentum podcast, the USC podcast. Most of the podcast was complete garbage. I had to fish through an hour and 11 minutes of it to find a couple clips about OU. Wow. But interesting that he said he was really unhappy in the quarterback room and uh, not getting his opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Yet. Oh, please. He followed Muleshoe Shoe to L.A., and he also compares Norman to L.A. So that oh, that okay. will be interesting. So that will be coming up here in a little bit. But
1: uh, One one of our listeners says, I can assure you that Caleb Williams will never for the rest of his career receive the ovation like he received the night of the OUTCU game when his picture showed up on the Jumbotron as the starting quarterback for the University of yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, loudest ovation of the year, right? Loudest ovation I have ever seen in that building. I mean, and I, I had my phone out. I was recording because I I knew I had found out about a half an hour beforehand They're announcing Caleb as a starting quarterback when they do the lineup presentation. So I was ready for it. And, man, did that place shake. Oklahoma Johnny, yes, you are correct. No doubt about it. And,
0: look, I will say this. Some of the stuff that was said in this podcast, it's called Momentum is the name of the podcast. If you want to listen to it, you probably don't. But just in case you do. Just, you know, go ahead and Google it up, Momentum USC Podcast. There's one with Mario Williams on there. In fact, I think the one with Mario Williams uh, was done, you know, even more recently than Caleb's, which was yesterday. But he did say the Palace was a great experience, you know, playing in the Palace was a great experience. But... You know, and you got to consider the environment he's in. He's talking to some guys who are USC supporters. So, and I don't know that he hammered Oklahoma, but he made it sound like he's having more fun in LA. I'll just say that. A One
1: listener fun. asks, "Did Parker really just say we're close? Did I, Mike? Did those words escape
0: my lips? I maybe when you were talking about the Sooners breaking through for a national championship, they've been close. Yeah, maybe." Okay, We're well, close, guys. I'm my, telling you, you my, my can't apologies. see it, but we're
1: close. My apologies if those words did leave my mouth. Uh, one listener asks, in terms of college football, do you consider Kansas a rival? Like 10 years from now, if we have a random game against Kansas for the first time since joining the SEC, would they market it as a rivalry renewed or just show our dominant record against them? Kansas is not a rival in football. No. You know, I am with you 100%. Kansas has not beaten Oklahoma since 1997. I wasn't even alive then.
0: But here's the deal on, I've always said this about, Stanley, don't call OSU Bedlam Series a rivalry, man. It ain't no rivalry. Okay, if you want to say it's not a competitive rivalry, okay. I get that. But Oklahoma State is still a rival. And I'll tell you, you know, Sooner fans, I, uh, my dad, my late dad said one time, and I use this as an uncle bit, and he was kidding. He had this kind of sense of humor. I'd rather lose to Iraq than Oklahoma State. And he said that during, you know, Desert Storm. He was kidding, of course, but that's how some Sooner fans, they feel like it's their <laughs> right to beat Oklahoma State in football. So they cannot take that. And Oklahoma State, of course, won last year. Mule Shoe's last game losing to Oklahoma State. That's a great way for Mule Shoe to go out prophetic maybe but so i don't say it's not a rivalry you can say it's not a competitive rivalry but is Oklahoma State your rival yes absolutely they are because you really do not want to lose to Oklahoma State do you buy that parker or not are you on the side of some of the fans who say OU OSU football is not a rivalry
1: well no OU and Oklahoma State is it a one sided rivalry sure and I've gone back and forth as far as my feelings on giving it rivalry status over the years, but here's what Oklahoma and Oklahoma State share that Oklahoma and Kansas don't. They share the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It is an intrastate rivalry that divides the state itself. And so I believe that, by nature, is enough to give it the rivalry categorization. And I know there's going to be that one annoying person on the Air Comfort solution sex line that says, well, what about OU Tulsa? No. Just don't. Just don't. Yeah. OU and Tulsa have never been on anything close to a level playing field in the sport of football and they've never shared a conference
0: one of the so. greatest moments in tulsa football history it was during the john blake era right that it was uh Wes caswell who caught a 99 yard touchdown pass west caswell <laughs> that is correct <laughs> let's get back i love the uh, we're getting
1: some good stuff on the air comfort solutions text line uh parker tell me a little something about avery johnson of mays kansas thanks mike in springfield Uh, Well, Mike in Springfield, Avery Johnson, a four-star player, uh, as you mentioned, out of the state of Kansas, recently picked up an offer from Oregon. Uh, I believe he has an offer from Notre Dame as well. Uh, That's a guy that's all told he's got a couple dozen FBS offers and is considered a very high-end dual-threat quarterback prospect in the class of 2023. What's interesting there is he's got a relationship with Dylan Edwards. So uh, with as close as those two are, there's been some speculation that maybe where Avery Johnson goes, that school might have more pull in Dylan Edwards' recruitment. Uh, For a while, it was looking like Arkansas would be the landing spot for Avery Johnson. And that's that's why a lot of people got real queasy when Dylan Edwards canceled a planned OU visit to go to Fayetteville. But that kind of came and passed. Dylan Edwards still doesn't have the Arkansas offer, but... Avery Johnson is very much in play for Kansas State, very much in play for Oregon. I believe he's also in play for Nebraska as well, which those are the three schools that are most significantly in competition with Oklahoma for Dylan Edwards. By minute. the
0: way, uh, is
1: Arkansas going to be a problem? I don't think so. Long-term. Long term? Hmm. Long it, term. Well, it depends on what you quantify as a problem. Are they going to be on Oklahoma's level? No. No. Are they going to be on the same level as a program the likes of a Baylor or an an Oklahoma State? Yes, I think so. And they'll win some recruiting battles. Sam
0: Pippen's done a nice job there. They already
1: have with Luke Haas. By the way,
0: we just got this on the text line, and I've got it written down to ask you about it. Oklahoma going to get Rondell Walker from Oklahoma State transfer portal? The basketball Mm -hmm. kid?
1: I don't know. I need to dig into that a little yeah, bit more, I but think I know O'Callahan is uh, wheeling and dealing in the portal.
0: PC West, right? Uh, by the way, somebody was asking, what's the uh, latest news on
1: a uh, on a Cole Adams offer? It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Still hasn't happened. And uh, I'm why? Tra- why? you your guess? Sorry, Nancy Kerrigan voice. <laughs> okay, so. Owasso starts spring practice next Monday, Monday the 16th, and they practice for two weeks before their spring game. So I would figure that if we get to the end of the month of May and Cole Adams still doesn't have the OU offer, close the book for real. And I'm close to closing the book as it is. I have been for a really long time, but – if the end of May rolls around and we get to the month of June and Cole Adams doesn't have the OU offer, I think you can just about kiss a goodbye. Because hmm. he'll be going back down to Alabama for an official visit in June.
0: The uh, Let's see. It's not a rivalry. It's 90% OU. True Sooner. It's a media-driven rivalry. My thought, I'm looking up the definition of rivalry. Competition for the same objective or for superiority in the same field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, to me, it is a rivalry. I, I just always say, if you want to tell me again, uh, you know, if you want to tell me again that it's it's not competitive, I'm 100% by that in football, but I still think it is is a, a rivalry because Oklahoma State is a rival. But, again, I think more than anything else, we're getting into semantics. I see why Sooner fans say that. I totally get it, but that's just the way
1: I look at it. When OU moves to the SEC – Last text before we hit a break. Do you think we are likely to develop a big-time rivalry with the Hogs? What do you think, Mike? Because my answer Um, is yes and has been for a while. I think that rivalry needs to happen.
0: Yeah, I I think that, yes, that can become a rivalry in the SEC. Yes, absolutely. By the way, uh, waiting to see, there is uh, the Rondell Walker stuff will be coming out, I'm being told, soon. So, uh, Rondell Walker, again looks like he's headed again to the University of Oklahoma in the portal. So, again, we shall see. Yeah, Arkansas, you know what? i got to tell you, growing up, that was one of my toughest losses I ever endured as a kid was that loss to Arkansas in the Orange Bowl. It was an Oklahoma team that went there, and they they decided they were going to party and maybe not take things too seriously. Uh, And Arkansas with Ron Cagney at quarterback, and Roland Sales rolling all over the OU defense that night with Lou Frick and Holtz as coach, Beat Oklahoma thirty-one to six, and the Sooners could have won possibly a national championship, but they lost to the Razorbacks. That was a devastating setback. That was one of the, uh, I would say that one's up there with the USC beatdown fifty-five to nineteen, the Nebraska seventy-eight loss also cost Oklahoma a national championship. Maybe the Oregon game, painful OU losses. That Orange Bowl loss to the Razorbacks was not good. All right, come back. More texts on the way. Glad to have you folks chime in. You do a great job on the text line. Let's keep it rolling when we get back. All right, welcome back. Riverwind Casino. Be thinking about this date, May 28th. We have the beginnings of a festival. It is the Beats and Bites Festival for 2022. The All the best local food trucks. Great craft beer from Coop Aleworks and some great music. It's a kid-friendly and pet-friendly environment. You'll have a great time. Retail vendors will be out there. They even have a big fireworks display on July, on July 9th. But we start with Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas coming up May 28th. And then in June, June 18th, Everclear, Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something on the Beats and Bites stage. Two great shows in July. The Randy Rogers Band, followed by that Fireworks Spectacular after the Randy Rogers show. That's July 9th. And then Scotty McCreary, damn straight, uh, 7.30. Again, July 30th on your calendar, the Scotty McCreary Show Beats and Bites 2022 is going to be a great success again. Again, you can bring your pets as long as you pick up, clean up after them. You're good to go. The kids will have a lot of games and activities as well. And, again, if you like all the best local food trucks, they will be out there also at Beats and Bites 2022, sponsored by Riverwind and Coop Ale Works. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. All right, you want to get back to some text before we
1: get out of here for hour number one? Sure. Caleb Williams' audio coming up at the top of the hour, by the way. Hey, guys. In my opinion, rivalry means everyone has strong emotions tied to it. Like, even if you don't need the win to achieve your goals, you still go out 110% because it's a must-win for your heart and pride. I was looking at uh, list some
0: rivalries, and here are some rivalries that were listed, non-sports. Uh, Coke versus Pepsi, one-sided, still considered a rivalry. Nike versus Reebok. I think that Nike has dominated that rivalry. And yeah, I wouldn't that's, say it does that, that
1: is that is the equivalent of Bedlam in the sporting yeah. goods industry.
0: <laughs> McDonald's versus Burger King. Nintendo versus Sega. Microsoft versus Apple. That's a good one. Ford versus Chevy. Now, that's a NASCAR rivalry right there. Ford rules. So, anyway, that's, uh, you know, that's. The Hatfields and McCoys, that's the greatest rivalry of all time, right? Didn't that start over a pig dispute, I believe?
1: A pig yeah, okay, yes, I think you're right.
0: Got us feud like the Hatfields and McCoys. One listener asks, are OU and AM rivals? Um, I don't think so. Do you? No. No. I think no. OU, maybe one day. OU's had Texas, their main rival, Oklahoma State, and back in the day, Nebraska.
1: That's really I miss it, that Nebraska right? rivalry. I, do too. I really do. I think now that the Nebraska rivalry has kind of gone by the wayside with the Huskers and the Big 10, Texas is the only <laughs> real bitter <laughs> rival that Oklahoma has. Sure Bedlam's a rivalry, mm-hmm. but there isn't that strong emotional connection to it from every single fan across the entirety of the fan base, like there is with OU Texas, no, like there was with OU Nebraska.
0: OU Texas, you consider Texas the uppity tea sippers and they've got all the money. Not that OU doesn't have money, but they don't have Texas money. They're cocky, you know, so you like knocking them down a notch. The Oklahoma State rivalry, at least in football, is, man, we can't lose to Oklahoma State. From a Sooner fan's perspective, uh, even though Mike Gundy has done an unbelievable job, and Oklahoma State's program is as good as it's been, you know, and Oklahoma State's had, you know, got a couple guys in the Pro Football Hall of Fame when you look at Thurman and Barry Sanders, and but that's how Sooner fans view that rival. Texas is, you know, it's in football again. In football, it's about man, you can't lose the little brother in football. And, the Ag School, yeah. The the Texas rivalry is like we can't stand the state. We can't stand the arrogance of those tea sipping Texas fans who think they're always, you know, it. Who they think aren't.
1: Oklahoma is the trailer park of yeah, Texas?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Four hundred five versus the nine one eight. Uh, bad losses, how about the Orange Bowl loss with the schooner penalty? That that was the Washington Orange Bowl loss, which, again, may have cost Oklahoma a national championship. That was the year that BYU won a national title, and they beat a 6-5 and five Michigan team in the Holiday Bowl uh, to win that national title. Barry Switzer, Barry Switzer was campaigning for the Sooners. Had they won that game to win the championship, they lost uh, that game, and that's when they named the sewer after Barry Switzer in the state of Utah, a water treatment facility after Barry Switzer. But, yes, the schooner came on the field with a premature celebration, couldn't be on the field. I remember the Washington linebacker, Joe Kelly, kicked one of the ponies in the backside as the schooner went back <laughs> underneath the tunnel in the stadium. Iconic. Came over and kicked one of the Sooner ponies. I'm not sure if it was Boomer or Sooner. But in the derry air,
1: wow! That was that
0: was a bad night for OU. Okay,
1: as night. an authority on the matter, Steely Copenhagen versus Grizzly, who's got the <laughs> upper hand in that rivalry?
0: Well, I you know I don't know. I Grizzly's cheaper, I know that. So yeah, I, I just that's that's my bias. It's so bad. I really need to quit, but I can't. Back so. to the text
1: line. One listener simply says, "Texas sucks." Yes, yes. Agreed. Another says 405 and 918. Laughing emoji. It's all about that 580, <laughs> boys. <laughs> One of the noobs
0: with the new area code. Is that a new area code? I think it's relatively new, oh, really? right? Isn't I, it? I
1: just thought it was down in that lot. I mean, area. the
0: 918 and the 405, that's been around since the days of the uh, foreign phones, phone, foreigns, the phones that had cords attached way back in the day. The rotary dialing. I'm old enough to have rotary dialed. Raise your hand if you have. Don't raise it if you're driving, but yes, yeah, the old rotary dial. That's old right there, man. All right, got to get out of here for hour number one. Kayla Williams talks L.A. versus Norman and a difficult quarterback room when at OU. That's coming up next here on The Ref. Yes, sir. Welcome in on a Wednesday. We want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group for sponsorship of the second hour. Action 72 in Pauls Valley, great deal on a car or truck and a great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life, a new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Like I said, I love that phrase, no additional cost to you, especially if it says no additional cost to me also. You or me. All right, uh, Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Back there in just one second, we teased that uh, Caleb Williams went on a SC podcast. It's called the Momentum Podcast. Now, there's a, there are a bunch, there are a few, because everybody has a podcast these days. Everybody has a podcast, right? Jim Bob out in, you know, Hugo, he's got a podcast, too, and then good for Jim uh, Jim Bob. I hear he's doing well with his podcast. But, you know, everybody does. Everybody does. You know what we figured out is that everybody wants to do our job.
1: This is very true. Is that not right? <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I I see. It, I didn't really realize it until I got into the industry. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, everybody wants to do this, and it's
0: good, man. I mean, Come everybody. On.
1: Look, you you can. This is America,
0: man. If you want to do a podcast or you want to do a YouTube channel or I'm look, I'm on Twitch. I never imagined. You know, but uh, the pandemic changed everything financially for a lot of people. And I'm on Twitch doing, you know, streaming games and talking sports while I'm doing that. So uh, more power to you, man. It's America. Go out there and try and, you know, have a successful podcast or whatever. That's what America's all about. Capitalism, man. Let's start paying these recruits even more. Of course, that guy's not saying that. He's saying they should be happy with a scholarship and a free meal, and that's it, right? That's that guy. All right. Uh, so Caleb Williams was on this podcast, the Momentum. If you Google like "Momentum USC podcast," you'll find it on all the places you find podcasts. Po- podcast, 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 pottycast. That's where podcast pottycast is where the guy sits on the toilet and does a podcast. It's called a pottycast. Now, you don't want to hear some of the background noise on those. Those are disgusting. But you got, you got Italian there for a second. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mm. Uh, anyway, most of this was complete BS. And it was an hour and 11 minutes. So I searched through it. I wanted to get a couple uh, clips for Plank because they were talking about it. And I always feel, you know, it's an audio medium we're in and uh, you can hustle and find the audio for most everything if you're willing to dig for it a little bit. And so I found it, and Plank played these, I guess it was around um, 11, 15 or so, so I wanted to get a little separation between the sound. But if you haven't heard them yet, uh, a couple things that Caleb said raised your eyebrows a little bit. I'm still not really that mad. In fact, I don't think I'm mad at Caleb Williams. He came to play for Muleshoe. That evil man, Mule Shoe. That piece of human garbage, Mule Shoe. That Machiavellian liar, Mule Shoe. The man, Mr. Semantics, Mule Shoe. Mr., I hope the sailfish punctures you in your deep-sea fishing excursion this summer, Mule Shoe, and doesn't hit a major artery but causes some pain. That's who I'm talking about. But uh, Caleb Williams on this podcast, like I said, a lot of it was just really bad. Really bad. But a couple uh, comments about Oklahoma. First of all, talking about the transition to
2: L.A. and L.A. versus Norman. For sure, more of what I wanted um, and what I what I am most comfortable with, what I, what I enjoy the most. Um, I'm able to do things that I like more. Because uh, in Oklahoma, you weren't able to go out and shop, really. You weren't able to go out and yeah um you know go to the beach or 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 anything like that it was just kind of planes like actual planes not the flying ones (laughs) like the the land uh was was flat and um it was it was nothing there but you know sacrifice sacrifice you know anything like that uh the the, the lifestyle here or when i was back home for for football, and I'd do it again a um, hundred times over, um, if that was the case. But if I had to choose between a Lincoln Riley at U at USC and a Lincoln Riley between at OU, um, I'd I'd choose uh, like a sunburnt Lincoln, huh? There you go. Have you ever been to the beach
0: at Lake Thunderbird, Caleb? On a crisp, a very crisp <laughs> July the day, Dirty Bird. I mean, come on, the clay beach there. <laughs> When I was a kid and a pair of tidy whiteys floated right at me in the water, and it was scarier than the scene in Jaws. Uh. Come on, you haven't experienced a real beach until you've been to Dirty Bird. Or Lake Overholster. Lake Closer is what we used to
1: call it. By I mean, look, he's not light, like... Especially for a kid that paints his fingernails. Yeah, right? absolutely. Know, you know he's a lot more about the L.A. culture than he is about the Oklahoma culture. He
0: did say in that clip, if he had it to do over again the same way, he'd do it 100 times over. But he's talking about he wanted to play for Lincoln Riley. Now, what was interesting is... Him talking about what it was like to be in the quarterback room because he, he felt like he wasn't getting a fair shake at times. Spencer Rattler clearly struggled, no doubt about that, understatement. And Caleb eventually won the job, had a historic Oklahoma-Texas game, greatest comeback in Red River rivalry history. But he said it was
2: very frustrating for him early last year in Norman. I mean, I was fighting every day my dad, like I love football and so it was like hard to like some days like get up and like go to the 5 a.m. work or 6 a.m. workouts like getting up at 5 and like go like it was, like it, was it was it was very dreadful like it was dreadful yeah. like I hated it cuz just like I'm not even getting a shot right now yeah but there think. was no way I was going to allow that to affect what I always and 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 wanted what I always wanted and promised myself when I was younger that I was you know, going to keep going, keep fighting, keep reaching my goals and dreams. Stay ready. Stay you ready. you don't know when. Yeah. And I kept going up to coach and things like that and trying to talk to him, trying to figure out how to get him a field. And he told me, keep going. And I was going to keep going, but, like, I, I, you hate, in that moment, you hate to hear it. Yeah, people. it's like, obviously, like, I know that Obviously, one. yeah. Like, obviously, coach. But he was saying it because, like, he wasn't giving me any pointers because, like, I was doing a very good, fine job. Yeah, I could have did better at some points, but everybody can always do better. But I, uh, I was doing a good, fine job, and it's just like, keep going. Like, make sure that I have the trust that if you get the shot, if you have the opportunity, and you go in, and I put you in, like, you don't have to come back out. And that's what I kept doing. Is his
1: microphone like on a mobile that's I rotating around his I, head? I, I'm so bad. I was just saying,
0: get an omnidirectional microphone because if he turns his head, it's so bad. But anyway, they're amateurs doing that anyway. So, uh, so anyway, okay. Well, here's the deal from that is, okay, so you are saying basically that you don't feel like Lincoln Riley was giving you a fair shot, you know, to compete with Spencer Rattler. And, man, those difficult workouts for, you know, those Pilates workouts, you know, with Benny Wiley were very difficult because you didn't feel like you were getting a fair shake. So, you were going to transfer and go and play for the guy that you felt like wasn't giving you a fair shake? Is that? Am I making too much of that? What do you think?
1: I, I, I'm done trying to make any of it make sense. Mm-hmm. Because he definitely was getting a fair shake. I was on this show throughout the fall, or the early parts of the fall, saying that, hey, Caleb Williams continues – To take a good majority of the reps in practice, and he's running with the first team a little. And they're starting to figure that he might be on the precipice of overtaking Rattler. I just – I don't know what else the guy wanted. (laughs) He wanted to start
0: from day one, apparently. Okay, well, you're a five-star kid like that. I understand that. But that was supposed to be Spencer Rattler's team, Spencer Rattler's year – he was the number 1 college football player in the ESPN preseason poll last year. Spencer Rattler was number 1. Obviously, did not play that well. I hope he plays well at South Carolina. I think he's gotten rid of maybe a, some of his cockiness and uh, you know, you've got to have an ego and self-belief to play that position obviously, but Spencer Rattler again, I think had way too much of that. But I guess he thought he should be starting from day 1. So, I don't know. I You know, it's just uh, – was that a shot, the first one at Oklahoma? But, look, I mean, how many times have we heard that stuff? I mean, that's that's going to continue to the end of time. You know, Charles Barkley way back in the day, you know, when Chris Paul was even playing for the Hornets back in the day, you know, hey, there are chickens there in Oklahoma, you know, covered wagons, blah, blah, blah. That's going to happen. But Caleb Williams – He certainly seems a lot more of an L.A. guy than a Norman guy. And that's, like you said, he paints his fingernails. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I might paint mine. You never know. Probably not. But uh, so I don't know if we would be too surprised at some of that. Now, I will say this, though. He did say at one point, again, the Palace was an awesome experience. He loved that. People were very passionate, and he loved playing in the Palace. So, that was about five so, so I edited that out to make him look worse. Actually that was in another comment. <laughs> no. Propaganda did, from Steely. Yes, yes, you never know. Well, Mule Shoe though, again. Mule Shoe had no pointers to give him. How about Reed's own coverage? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's a great uh, observation. Be the Air Comfort Solutions. Nice. Text lab. Uh, okay, another listener says, there's no way NIL isn't involved in Caleb being at USC. They probably gave him a Ferrari and a private night with a Vegas professional. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, I'll continue to say this, and people can believe it or not believe it. Caleb Williams had large NIL deals, including – the Beats NIL deal mm-hmm. that has... Here? No, no, no. He had or... them signed and completely finalized before Lincoln Riley made the move to USC. Okay. I, I've had that confirmed from multiple sources, including people on the end that had a hand... In ironing out the details, so of those uh, details. the OU so,
0: roster got denied the new Beats headphones. Yes, in this exactly. Transaction.
1: Yes, the OU roster, every single player in the Oklahoma locker room could have a new pair of Beats headphones right now if Caleb Williams hadn't jumped ship. But no, NIL. Caleb Williams was gonna get the NIL bag no matter where he ended up. Uh, this dude. This is from the Air Comfort Solutions text line as well. This dude. Good riddance. Difficult workouts. It's just a thing. That's it. By the way, I, I live in California. I can tell you the best places in California are the places that are more like Oklahoma. There you go. That's a real American right there. Real American. Another listener says, Malachi Nelson will take his job. Karma. Hmm. Wouldn't that be full circle?
0: That would be crazy, would it not? Please let SC fail. Yeah, the problem Malachi
1: Nelson is Nelson's really good. Like, I don't know if I'm to that point yet where I'd say, okay, he's going to be able to challenge Caleb from day one the way Caleb did to Rattler. But yeah, once Malachi steps on campus, that is a formidable contender on the depth chart. You yeah, it's,
0: it. it's going to be interesting. All right, uh, we're going to get back to more of your text here in a little bit. Uh, when I envision the tidy whitey's approaching Steely a dirty bird, reminds me of the baby Ruth attacking Spalding in the pool and caddy shack. <laughs> it was a little bit like that. That is a true story. My first trip to Dirty Bird, I'm out there. I'm about a seven year old kid waiting out in the water when I see something bubble to the surface that is white. It's probably I don't know twenty yards away or so. It's a ways away. But I'm like, what is that? It's like a fish like turned upside down. It's like the, the giant belly of a catfish or something. And then all of a sudden this starts floating closer to me at Lake Dirty Bird when I realize it's a giant pair of Tidy whiteys, <laughs> How giant are we talking I mean, this here? was like the Fat Albert pair of Tidy whiteys. <laughs> this thing, man, you could have put it as a sail on a boat, man, out there. Maybe that's what it was. And this thing's floating right at me, and I turned and sprinted to the beach, and I was running like a scene from Jaws. It was terrifying. The great Fruit of the Loom disaster. Uh, this would have been like 1973 or something like that. Maybe I was like nine years old. So uh, so anyway, there you go. That is the story, and I'm sticking to it. True story. All right, when we get back, we'll get back to more texts. And uh, we've got T.J. Eckert coming up at uh, 1.35 one thirty five. We're in the 1 o'clock hour, old man. 1 o'clock hour. The noon hour has slipped past us. 1.35, T.J. Eckert joining us here on The Ref. Keep it here. Eagles' best song right there. What do you think? Yeah,
1: does it get any better than Hotel
0: California? I, you know, that song has the word steely in it. That's true, it does. But it's one of the few ones, maybe the only one that I can remember. I think there's one more, but I'm not remembering. But I, I think I'd go with Take It Easy. They played Hotel California on the radio so many times when I was growing up. And I still like the song, but I I think I get tired. That, they played that in Bohemian Rhapsody like all the time. All the time. But yeah, Hotel California is really good good
1: one. Yeah, so my when my mom was in high school, she tells this story uh about how somebody before the lunch period would go fill up the jukebox to make sure that Hotel California played on repeat all throughout the lunch oh. period. They never <laughs> found out who it was, <laughs> but she became fed up with that song because <laughs> it's the only song she would hear every single day during lunch. I tell you I like
0: uh the one with the uh, Timothy B. Schmidt vocal, which was, well, the real hit that uh, Seven Bridges Road, they they kind of harmonized on that. But Timothy B. Schmidt, I can't tell you why. I like that one. He hits the high notes well. I also like New Kid in Town a lot. Uh, Life in the Fast Lane is pretty good. And again, I like Hotel California. But, uh, man, I just got, I was like, I, you would hear that song in your head for like days and days and days. Okay, uh, Tyler is so good about putting these questions out. Tyler McComas on the the ref site. And, uh, you know, when Oklahoma and Texas get to the SEC, there's a lot of talk about pods, you know, four-team pods. And if that's the case, and I'm hoping that is going to be the case, which teams do you want to see in the Sooners pod? Now, we pretty much know that Texas is going to be in the pod with Oklahoma. The question is, who are the other two teams? I'm hoping it's Missouri and, as my friend Al Eshbach would say, Arkansas, Arkansas. It'll be Missouri and Arkansas. I hope so because I don't want the LSU scum in here. All at, you know, I don't want to have to deal with the LSU fans. I'm sure there's some good LSU fans out there, but the vast majority of them are subhuman creatures. And I'm not sure they are human. They may be like, you know, Some of the creatures in Men in Black, they just have a human suit, but they're really alien beings. And very filthy, disgusting, pathetic, just horrible living creatures, the LSU fans. They're lower than the Tech people, and the Tech people are pretty low. But the LSU fans, they take it way low, very white low. They're really bad, so we don't need to deal with them. The Aggies... The problem with the Aggies is, you know, they're, as I've said many times, I like some of the A&M traditions. They're kind of cool. They're kind of crazy. They're kind of cultish. But there's nobody out there like Texas A&M. Right. Is there any culture or kind of fan experience like you get with Texas A&M? No, there's not. Nothing. Nothing close. So they're very much out there. But the problem is A&M, as long as these new rules don't have any as Mule Sue the liar called them guardrails, which he doesn't want any guardrails. Are you kidding me? Then A&M going to be spending and spending and buying and buying. And it's going to be like you're dealing with, you know, it's like trying to battle standard oil back in the day. You know, they had all the money. Texas has some money, too. But you know what I'm saying? So I want to see Missouri and Arkansas. And I want to know what you Sooner fans think. I mean, look, the better games, the better atmosphere would be LSU and A&M coming in every year. But do you want to deal with those rowdy Cajun People, I mean, they're
1: just. Hey, like, you might get some crawfish out of the deal.
0: I, you know, I guess they're all right. But the, the, I'm telling you, the worst fans in all of sports I ever encountered were the LSU fans in New Orleans. I mean, just horrible, horrible people. And um AM again. It, it just depends on. Uh, it just depends on what's going to happen with NIL and everything, because they're printing money at A and M right now. Missouri and Arkansas. Arkansas would turn into uh, a rivalry series, you know, 20 years you know, down the road. may not, may not even take that long. Um, and the Arkansas fans, are a little out there, but I like Arkansas. It's a beautiful state. It would be cool. Uh, Missouri, some very, you know, the go-jo-go go run in Columbia and Chris Chester uh, in the trick play in the Stoops era, and uh, Oklahoma beating down Booger Boy Chase Daniel a couple times to win a (laughs) Big 12 championship.
1: You're never going to bring up Chase Daniel on that show without bringing that up, are you?
0: You know what? He may have gone for the uh, the nose protein, if that's what it is. I don't think it is. But you know what I'm saying? The man's still holding a clipboard. The backup quarterbacks, they hold like a Surface Pro, is what they hold. Yeah, now. Not, not a clipboard. Yeah, it's not a clipboard anymore. That's right. Old school clipboard. They left those in the 90s. But the man's made a mountain of money, you know, being a backup in the NFL. So more power to him. South Lake Carroll Dragon, Chase Daniel.
1: Oh, that's right. I We're the South Lake
0: Carroll prospects this year.
1: Well, Quinn Ewers is one of them.
0: Yeah, but he's signed, sealed, delivered. Oh, like, you're
1: talking about prospects like for yeah. South Lake Carroll. Yes. You're talking about how the team is going to be. Well, yeah, I mean, I
0: haven't heard like Sooners are in or somebody's in from a kid from yeah, South Lake there, Carroll. There
1: aren't anybody that there aren't any players that Oklahoma's recruiting from there as of right now. Uh Air Comfort Solution Sex Line, one listener says, I lived in Louisiana for five years and the only fans in football worse than LSU fans are the Louisiana Lafayette fans drunk before the first quarter hmm
0: louisiana who has the bigger enrollment lsu or louisiana lafayette because it's got to be lsu well but it's got to be it, lsu is louisiana lafayette the state school I bet Louisiana Lafayette has more students than you expect. Would be okay, I,
1: I, I'm going to do some research here. Okay, here we go. Go some, ahead and Google uh, it up. Very quick internet research. Louisiana State University's enrollment is just shy of 36,000 people. Okay. And Louisiana Lafayette's enrollment is barely half of that. Really? Yes. So about 19,000. Hmm. All right. Well, LSU is by far the largest university in terms of enrollment in the state of Louisiana.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I thought that Lafayette might be a little bit closer, but yeah. I, and what do you guys think? Again, I want to know if the pod and I know that Tyler will talk about this, too, who you'd like to see in the pod. Look, LSU and a and will be a lot more exciting. There's no doubts. But, you know, Arkansas is a great, really cool, um, uh, you know, game, I think, to be playing every year, and I think that Missouri would be fun, too. Plus, again, I just, you know, those LSU people invading Norman—that's that's just not bad. They're
1: terrorists is what they are once they come to your campus. Air Comfort Solutions text line once again. Parker, both Mike Gundy and Brett Venables have stated that offering and signing the best Oklahoma kids are their top priority yet. Neither one has offered Cole Adams. What does that say to you, if anything? Oh, here we go again with the Cole Adams talk.
0: Is that Kendall or is that
1: somebody else? Uh, I don't think, no, it's not Kendall. I guess Cole Adams must suck. That's the only reasonable explanation, right? Well, no, because Nick Saban's offered him. And so has Brian Kelly. Hmm. Yeah. And so has Josh Heupel. And so has Mike Leach. And you can go on and on down the list. I don't understand it. I don't. I can't make it make sense. My thought with Oklahoma State is maybe they realized pretty early on that that kid was going to be bigger than them and really? that he was going to have way bigger offers. And yeah, so they just
0: that's didn't even bother. sold to the Cowboy Nation right there to say that. For OU,
1: I don't know why. Especially if your priority is to build the wall around the Sooner State, Adams is a guy you offered. Another listener, oh, I like this one. Hey, Steely, what do you think about having a Don Strock award? <laughs> Awarded to the best NFL backup QB each year. It's like the NBA oh, sixth man. man. Don Strock
0: wasn't he in Miami? That's behind right, Miami behind, the the behind greasy. Uh, greasy. Yeah, back in the day. It's pretty good, not bad. OU Texas, Arkansas, and Tennessee. That would be interesting. As a Sooner fan living 45 minutes from the University of Arkansas, give me the Razorbacks. Border Sooner.
1: Another, another asks, Parker, who is General Booty, and why is OU interested in him? That's a real person, by the way. Who, hey, by the way, who
0: ain't interested in General Booty at some point in their life? You know what I'm saying? We were always going after that back in my day. Hey, you guys, what do you think about going out and find some General Booty tonight? <laughs> Woo!
1: Where's where General Booty? I, okay, I, is I that, don't know where General Booty is these days. I don't know who he's playing for. I know he went Juco. I don't know where he ended up after that. Oh
0: my gosh, there really is a General Booty.
1: There really is a there General is a Booty. a John David Booty, right? Yes, I day. think they're related somehow. Really? I think it's like a nephew, something like that. But okay, quick Google research here. We're going to we're going to find out where General Booty is at these days. That you may not want to don't put where is the General Booty at that might be a bad search. Tyler Junior College. Okay. Position? Quarterback. He's a quarterback.
0: General Booty would be, he would be an LSU guy or... Well, didn't John John David Booty end up at SC for a while? Wasn't he there? I'm trying to remember. I'll have to go ahead and Google it up. General Booty. That's too good.
1: But no, apparently, so now he's finished his two years of JUCO and is about to transfer. Really? He's got offers from, like, New Mexico and Presbyterian College and, you know. There we go. General Booty-esque school. There you go. Absolutely.
0: All right, we'll break on that note. We'll ask, uh, now we won't ask T.J. Eckert about General Booty, if he has any idea where General Booty is. I'm sure some fine spots there in Tulsa. He probably might you might know. You know what I'm saying? All right, stay with us. We're coming back. We'll clean it up next segment, I promise, here on the ref. Eight days away from the PGA championship at Southern Hills in Tulsa. As Tiger will win his 16th major championship on a bum leg. Could happen. Probably will happen. T.J. Eckert, KTUL-TV sports director, joining us to talk about the preparations. And uh, we were excited to see uh, Tiger, you know, get out there and play with Kerry Cosby when he flew into town. You guys were all over that. Uh, Kerry Cosby was on the Golf Channel yesterday, said, you know, he didn't appear to have, you know, once he was hitting the ball, it looked fine. You know, there was a little bit of a limp walking, but was impressed with what he saw out there. So we saw Tiger in the field. We saw Phil in the field. Uh, it's still not 100%, but I, I don't know. What percentage do you put, like, on Tiger now and Phil, uh, you know, individually definitely playing at Southern Hills next week?
3: Yeah, it's crazy, Steely, how I put my chances, we've talked about this a lot on here, I put my chances higher on Tiger Woods playing, almost losing his leg, yeah, than the me defending too. PGA champion. Yeah, so I got probably Tiger. Tiger's probably 98%. I mean, you don't make a trip to Tulsa to play a practice round on the way to your Las Vegas Tiger Jam if you're not planning on playing. And then for Phil, I mean, I still, I, I think he's playing, although I put the chances lower just to be safe, so I'd say like 80%. I mean, he's still in the field. We haven't heard anything otherwise that he wasn't playing. The only thing that's holding him back is the fact that he hasn't played. And all this stuff with the Saudi Golf League, LIV, all those things, is, is really the only thing that I think would hold him back. But all, all systems go. He's in the field. He's in the final field. And we haven't heard otherwise that he's not playing, and so I would expect I expect him to make his return uh, to professional golf at the PGA.
1: And obviously, TJ, Tiger, and Phil are going to be the two players that most of the eyes are trained on. But if you're a betting man and you got to lay money down on a couple of players heading into the PGA Championship at Southern Hills, who do you think has the best odds to take home the trophy?
3: Yeah, I'll try and uh, I'll try and stick with horses. Uh, John Rahm just won recently. He's got great form coming in, really good ball striker. The only thing that's been holding him back has been the putter, and I think I think a lot of that's been due to the change he made from TaylorMade to Callaway. And he was putting really well when he was with TaylorMade. Made the switch to Callaway. He struggled a bit with the putter. Now he's found a way to win. So I think I think he's a guy you look at. He might even be the on favorite. Scotty Scheffler hasn't lost to hardly anybody the past four or five months. So it'd be hard not to bet on him. Another guy that I think someone should, some people should keep an eye on is Dustin Johnson. Uh, kind of been off the radar a little bit, and that's that's strange for a guy who was number one in the world for so long and had such a great stretch of golf there and won the COVID Masters. And so he's a guy I think that that, that could pop up and surprise some people. Really good wedge player, good around the greens. Uh, those, those are three guys I'm kind of keeping an eye on right now.
0: All right, interesting. Uh, Ricky Fowler in the field. He wasn't in the field at Augusta, and uh, Ricky's world ranking has plummeted. But he will be there at Southern Hills, and, uh, and Ricky's still always a fan favorite.
3: Yeah, especially around here, right? Being an OSU Cowboy, I'd imagine he'll have a a pretty big following. Uh, hopefully, some good vibes coming into coming into Oklahoma. You know, playing his college golf down the road in Stillwater. I'm hoping there's some good vibes there. he played pretty good starting out last week, had a decent start to the tournament there at the Wells Fargo, kind of petered off there on the weekend. But, uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, some good vibes coming his way. And I think, honestly, Steely, there's a couple other OSU guys to keep an eye on with Victor Hovland and and Taylor Gooch, both those guys with some really good form coming in. Hovland kind of cooled off a little bit from a really torrid stretch he had there at the end of the fall going into the early spring here. Uh, But those are two guys, too, that I think could, you know, Gooch being a Midwest City native, kind of channel some Oklahoma, some Juju there, and then Victor Hovland has been good, really, for the past year. So those are two other guys, along with Fowler, hopefully can channel some of that and and play well.
1: Sooner football. TJ, what do you think of the addition of Davis Bevel via the transfer portal and how that fills the need that Oklahoma had for another established scholarship quarterback?
3: Yeah, I think it's good. You know, the, the best thing that you can have in a quarterback room is competition. In my opinion, I, I always felt that, you know, when I at UCO we always had two or three guys who were competing for the job. And I always felt like that that helped us get better. And I think competition breeds competition, and it breeds it breeds quality. And so if you have one guy who's kind of a clear-cut guy, he can get a little complacent. And I I, I don't think anybody's saying that Dylan Gabriel is going to lose his starting spot. But having a guy in that's pushing you and 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 challenging you during. One-on-one, the you know the individual drills and those type things. That's all good. And so, adding depth, adding competition, it's never a bad thing, especially in a quarterback room where there's only one guy playing on the field at a time. So, uh, it's good. It's always good to have a little competition, especially. Uh, in
0: the off-season and in practices. T.J. Eckert, KTUL-TV sports director in Tulsa, joining us here on the Law Offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 405-329-9000. All right, we, uh, you know, uh, Tyler McComas tweeted this out on the uh, Ref website uh, and and uh, on Twitter, uh, you know, all the talk about pods in the SEC, that that could be happening um, if we we know that Oklahoma and Texas are going to be in the same pod, what teams would T.J. Eckert like to see in that pod with the Sooners and the Longhorns?
3: Yeah, it, this is assuming, is it the 14 pods that we're rolling with? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't mind the OU-Texas-Texas-A&M-Arkansas pod. I think, I think I'd think i like that one. I, the, other, the other one you could obviously throw in there is Missouri, uh, but I think Arkansas is a little bit more fun for me. And then Texas A&M. I feel like, and you guys can maybe speak on this a little more than I can, I feel like the more annoying, maybe, let's see, Texas's fan base is really annoying, but then closely behind them is Texas A&M on social media. Those guys are just obnoxious, and so it would be fun to play them again.
0: There you go. All right, readying up for the PGA Championship next week. I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see uh, how Victor Hoblin plays as well and uh, should be a lot of fun there at Southern Hills, and it was cool seeing Kerry Cosby on the the golf channel. By the way, have you been to the Bob Dylan Center yet? Have not been to the Bob Dylan Center. That's on the list. All right, well, we may be road tripping up there soon. So caravan, we'll, yeah. I didn't
1: make it yesterday. I yeah. didn't get up there in time. So oh, well, we're going to have to, we got to get up caravan. there, man. And
0: we'll, we'll, uh, we'll just have a dinner with all the dignitaries, TJ, uh, Caden, Kelly Hines, Bill Haston. We'll invite we'll all, all of together. them. Jimmy Trammell. <laughs> we'll just have ourselves a party is what we'll do. <laughs> definitely. Come on up. All right, TJ. Good talking to you. Thank you. You bet. See
3: you guys.
0: TJ Ecker joining us. KTUL TV sports director. And, uh, Yeah. A week from tomorrow southern hills that'd be awesome i did sleep in a tree at the 82 pga championship yes had a friend fraternity brother who lived on southern hills won't mention any names david eve and uh we so we uh, and some of my fraternity brothers uh we decided you know what let's just go let's get on the course right now it was probably i don't know two three a.m we're just walking down the fairways of southern hills we didn't do any damage didn't do any damage Lined up in a tree and uh, slept in the tree. We're woken up by the sprinklers the next morning and just dropped
1: down, and we were good to go. I couldn't do that. I I could not fall asleep in a tree. It
0: was difficult, I oh, must boy. say. Oh, boy. It was very difficult.
1: Very difficult. I have enough trouble falling asleep in a
0: bed. And I uh, had one guy that was with us that wore white shorts. And guess, you're sleeping on branches and you're rolling around on tree bark. so... The backside of his shorts did not look good. People were staying as far away from him as they possibly could because it looked like an accident. If you know what I'm saying. He wore white shorts, slept in the tree. Oh, uh, Yes. Oh, uh. so, Anyway, not a smart man. All right, we're going to break right here. When we come back, we'll get some final texts in and uh, – Got a little more uh, sports notes for you as well. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. All right, if you're highly educated or not so educated, you know that food is an essential, right? Who doesn't love a good food truck? Everybody loves music. Everybody loves to be outdoors, right? Well, then you've got all the ingredients. For a great festival, 2022 Coop Aleworks Beats and Bites Festival is back at Riverwind Casino, offering up some of Oklahoma's best fun, fair, and festivities this summer. It all officially gets started on May 28th. Night Ranger, Starship with Mickey Thomas, May 28th, first show. Again, kid activities, pet friendly. You got the great craft beer from Coop Aleworks, tremendous food trucks everywhere, retail vendors, Uh, It's just a great time. And the first show is Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas on May 28th. Everclear, along with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something, in June on June 18th. Two great shows in July the Randy Rogers Band, July 9th, with an incredible fireworks display to follow. And then Scotty McCreary on July 30th out at Beats and Bites 22 at Riverwind Casino. The great news also all the individual tickets are five bucks a piece. Are you kidding me? $5 per ticket. Kids under 12, get in free. It's a great deal. It's a great time. It's a great festival. The 2022 Beats and Bites Festival at Riverwind Casino. Get your individual tickets for all the shows, either at the box office, at the casino, or online right now at Riverwind.com. That's Riverwind.com. NBA tonight, Bucks at Boston. That's been the best series so far. Uh, the Celtics, again, behind a 35-year-old Al Horford, who was not happy with Giannis staring him down and talking to him after a dunk. Then Al Horford came back and dunked on the Greek Freak, which was very impressive, and let the Celtics come back to even that series of two apiece. That's the first game out tonight, 6 o'clock on TNT. The Warriors will come out and play against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight, 8.30 on TNT. Warriors can clinch with a win tonight. Grizzlies... Look like they are not going to have John Morant for the rest of the playoffs with a uh, bruise in his right knee, a deep bruise. So uh, Golden State with a great chance to wrap it up tonight. But keep in mind, Memphis without Morant in uh, Game 4 really should have won that game. But they did not win that game. So two NBA games tonight. You want to get some texts in before we get out of here, Parker? Sure, let's go
1: ahead. Let's do it. Let's see what the folks are saying. (laughs) Carl's Jr. must not have found the right nail salons here. There are some great ones. Oh, I
0: thought, like, Carl – yeah, okay, I got you, Carl's Jr. Yeah, that's referring to – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: recurring to Caleb,
0: yes. Okay. I'm like, what, Carl's Jr., nail salons? Did they put nail salons in? Okay.
1: When not stalking Tiger, can you recommend an Amen corner spot at Southern Hills?
0: Man, you know, it's been so long. I haven't been to the new uh, refurbished Southern Hills, but I would say, you know – I don't know, maybe I should ask TJ that. We'll have him on once next week. But I, I don't know of a spot that I would recommend. I would just say if you're going to follow Tiger, you need to stay a couple holes ahead of him. Actually, that's the best way to do it. Because, you know, you just will get caught in the throng, and if you stay, if you want to follow Tiger and see get some good views there, get a couple holes ahead, get on that tee box, get in the you know in the fairway where most of the balls are landing in that fairway. Tracking. You know, tracking it, and uh, that's the best way to do it. Wish I could help you a little bit more, Michael, but I'm sorry. Have a good time if you're heading.
1: Steely, do you have tickets to I see Tiger not, at other I Mills? will be
0: watching. I'm too old and too uh, – I don't think I can walk the course very well anymore. Uh, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I will be watching on TV. I've been to Southern Hills a lot.
1: I love it there. It's going to be great, but I will be watching on TV. Has there been talk about how the pods will work? Will the winners of each one play and the winners play for the SEC championship? From my understanding, yes, that is kind of the plan. Mm-hmm. It's for there to be basically a semifinal and then a final. Kind of reminiscent of a bracket in a certain sense. You have... Two pod winners match up against one another, and then the winners of those games square off for the SEC title. That is my understanding as to how it's going to work. Another listener says, if Williams doesn't want to be seen, he's in the right spot. The Coliseum is always empty. (laughs) One guy said, over and under on
0: nine for SEC wins. I'll go under. A loss uh, to... And they may push on that. A loss to Utah, a loss to UCLA, definitely, in my opinion. Uh, Then you've got to look at, that's really, I mean, Stanford? Can they beat Notre Dame at the Coliseum? Last game of the regular season? What do you think?
1: I, I go back and forth with this USC team, man. I really do. Because, it's
0: only a matter of time before Jordan
1: Addison makes his announcement, right? Yes, and somebody's texting about that as a matter of fact as well. It's all a smokescreen. He's not touring Bama because Saban doesn't play those games, especially if he knows he's going to USC. He's one hundred percent doing all of this intentionally. Was probably told which schools he could tour and not tour by USC anyway. What about the Texas rumors? Yeah, I. D- That's the exact same place that Mario Williams visited Mm. before he committed to USC, right? So Muleshoe probably in his
0: devious mind thinks, you know what? Why don't you guys just go to Austin, man? That'll really get the fans worried, you know. And then just you'll wind up here, and you know, eventually.
1: I don't buy any of it. I think Jordan Addison will be a Trojan. I don't see any way he's not a Trojan. And hey, you know what? As one of our texters said on the text line yesterday, Muleshoe is building a seven-on-seven team. And he'll have a great one. Yeah, it that's, won't be a championship football team.
0: Are they taking many defensive transfers at all?
1: Yeah, I, I they've mean they've a taken couple, a few, but
0: Latrell McCutcheon. There you go. Go in with that speed. D on display at the Coliseum. I didn't mind Alex Grinch, but I won't mind trying to piece together a forty-five second or less soundbite from that rambling. <laughs> the ramblings of Alex Grinch. Jamie. You know, Christmas.
1: USC tried to tamper with Xavier Worthy, right? Yeah. Oh, I bet yeah. Latrell McCutcheon was about the last person that wanted to see Xavier Worthy in SoCal. Yeah,
0: no doubt. No doubt about that. All right. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group. We've got Locked In coming up with Parker and Tyler McComas next here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Rep Radio Network.